into more exciting it's more interesting so that's the beautiful thing about art because it can grow into so many levels it's so vast yeah and celebrate us just i don't want to really push my when i as more and we need to bring that it's about filmmaking or french kamona kamona wa actor or just stand in kamona wa presenter then when i live back around the architecture again so i'm with you on a journalism art heritage culture so it's it's very important to honor you know our heritage who we are and be proud of who and where we come from because if they there's a saying that uh, that says that if a man doesn't know who they are they don't know who they are where they are going so it's very important to have that sense of purpose and know who you are you are the doctor esther mahlangu and i think the artistic of fellow business in Zimbabwe. How do you feel like you are going now? I want to know how you feel. Have you met her? Yeah. Yes, I've met her. I haven't. I happened to be in the masterclass that she was presenting in Cape Town, and you know, and she talks about her journey, about how she started as a young girl, you know, and this is something that she was taught by her mother, and. Today she's passing it on to other generations, which is what heritage is all about. It's about passing it on for generations to come. You know, it's not about us. It's about Sasa Oti. Abantu na bethu bazo bango bani bazaya. Kuko bafu bisanda bantu na mfuna bana usubeli walazi linga ati bebaza ukubabuya bivaya. She joked about how she catches tech, uh, flights like taxis, you know, Ugogo. And it's so inspirational because at her age, with the number of things that she has accomplished, you know, it's inspiring. So how she ever said it to a high? We link up on Twitter and all this, and I get how fine artists come to do long all of us. I just saw her wabenda. Kim, how can you say it to a mama? We link her to your work in TV presenting, acting, studying, filmmaking. In correlation you know Sisi, this industry you know yourself because you're in this industry mm. it's very difficult it's about perseverance it's determination it's growing thick skin mm -hmm. so having that patience over the years i was surprised to find out Uti Ukoko, start her, her first collaboration was actually 1989 that was before we even born but we are only starting to get to know and celebrate her work now. How many years has it been? How do we change this? How do we change mm. that? I think we need to start uh, implementing celebration of our culture, mm. of our customs, of our traditions at an early age. In the village, we say, is it coco? So we present Like, teach them young. So already, maybe from preschool, we need to start um, implementing it in our in our schools, in our preschools. Let children know about Gogo Esther Matlang. They shouldn't know about her years later. Let me see. Yes. Rolls Royce. Yes. Let me see the accomplishment. But why? Vana vana yani mwana hake na grade 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 four. Asa tuwe doctor Esther Matlang. Why? 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 Why
in terms of starting the month? Because we celebrate so much of things that are not our own. We consume globalized things, but our own people, we don't appreciate and, and, and thank them and, you know, support their work, especially art. I feel like I have to ask you just how to qualify in person. Because I'm talking about and you are able to be fluid so i still want to do so much stuff uh, my heart is in film movies i have a dream of um doing a travelogue across africa that's like a travel documentary. Like, I, like I, I had to close yes. my eyes. Across Africa and maybe we need to tell our stories. If we don't tell our stories, who's going to tell them? The world tells and our stories. Exactly. Look at Okoko. Her storytelling is authentic. It's who she is. She didn't even uh, go to school for it. It's within. It's spiritual. Art is, is very spiritual. So we need to express that inner spirit and translate it and tell our stories. So I'd love to do uh, a travelogue across Africa, tell African stories. It could be food, dance, oh, there's so much about Africa. It could be clothes. Not Africa as a jungle. Yeah. There's so much more to this beautiful content. Yeah. And we need, but it was really beautiful. Bro, you're so beautiful. Thank you so much. You are lovely yourself. Thank you so much. Celebrating the life and times of Dr. Esther Mahlangu. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. Happy Heritage Month. next week, Maverick. Authentic. Yeah. life. Yeah, keep on my TV, you know, I record or make a look sure. Heritage Month, re enjoying, re celebrating. So, this is our Heritage Month. Yeah, we must keep on doing great things. Yeah, yes. Get a little after this. Enjoy. Wednesdays with
and multi-story rental units. The Claymore Mega City project will provide social amenities such as primary and secondary schools, a library, parks, community center, shopping center, business stands, and places of worship. The development has benefited the area by undertaking urban renewal, creating employment opportunities, and the upgrading of infrastructure. MNC in the Ukurlingi region, Councillor Lesi Bambia, a warm welcome to the BNG show. Thank you so much for granting us a bit of your time. Thank you, Kanelma. Thank you for having us. I think maybe let's start right at the beginning. Won't you please give us a brief background as to how exactly this particular development came about, why and how it started? Well, the Clayville uh, ex uh, you know, project has many extensions attached to it, mm -hmm. and it came about as a reason of uh, the highly populated or highly densely area, uh, which is the Tembisa. And because it is situated in Eburuleni, it has a number of people who are coming from north, uh, in particular, who decide then to settle uh, in, in Tembisa. It then uh, simply means, of course, that the backlog of housing Will, will necessarily, uh, in, you know, uh, trigger a pressure. So that that phenomenon has inspired us to actually have a Clayville project that will necessarily, you know, benefit the people of Tembisa mm. in the main. Right. Talking about um, the benefits and the people of Tembisa specifically, what are some of the benefits for that specific community in Clayville in having such a huge development of that type of magnitude? What are they specifically benefiting in that area? A uh, majority of our workforce, our labor workforce, are people who are coming from Tembisa. Yeah. And a large number of SMEs who are, you know, um, contracted to do this or that, ranging from, uh, uh, you know, construction of, uh, you know, putting in of curbs, you know, constructions of, of, of roads, supplying uh, your window pails, uh, supplying your doors, and so forth and so forth. So that uh, project have, has brought about change in the living conditions of an ordinary person who is in Tembisa. There are people who are selling food, uh, your, 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 your cocos who are selling fat cakes in the morning, who are selling lunch. That, 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 that project has actually inspired you know, a, a, a chain of economic activity uh, directly and indirectly. Within the different stages of the development, are there benefits that you can pinpoint that they've, that they've gained? Look, specifically, we would have wanted to unlock uh, housing contradictions of our people that are ranging from their different uh, sources of life. Uh, we have a, a, a product of RDPs, uh, and we chose to optimize the infrastructure uh, space. So we, we chose to actually say, uh, if we build standalone uh, houses in the in the program, it is going to short change. It is not going to uh, uh, actually uh, optimize the number of people who are trying to benefit. So we we, we, we opted to actually have RTP walkups, what we call as as res four as as high rise. Okay, so we have RTP units which are 40 square meters that are packed up against each uh, up on top of each other so they are more or less in a flat format okay the people who would benefit for rtps have been given that project for that product but you have people who can qualify for an rtp as well as who can qualify in your mainstream banks we intervene as a city or, or as government and we give them a subsidy we call it the flisp a financially linked individual subsidy program 
so that people can be able to have top-ups. So we give them that product, they are able to then uh, have a, a semi-bonded uh, product. We also have a rental product in the mix. We have also gone an extra mile with the intervention of the executive mayor and the premier, where we are going to be um, you know, identifying pockets of land where people who, who say that we can be able to build up for ourselves and uh, we, we, we are going to give them that particular option. So communities of Tembisa have definitely benefited in as far as housing is concerned. Yes. Talking about housing, um, Councillor, in terms of the, the housing delivery challenges or issues, um, if you want to call it that, that the Ukuleni region might face, would you say a development of this nature brings about solutions or maybe mitigates some of the challenges that you guys face? The city is sitting on a backlog of about 400,000 people who are on the housing meter register. The project is the biggest, has got the biggest yield in Tembisa. It is going to give yield to 14,137 mixed use. It definitely provides solutions. It definitely mitigates on the, on the housing conundrum we are facing as a country. It is a project that brings and builds communities within one space, finding all sorts of people living at, at different classes. And I think that it, it mitigates in terms of uh, social cohesion as well. Right. And now, for the foreseeable future, lastly, Councillor, what do you see for the future of this region in terms of housing delivery? We have 119 informal settlements, the largest in the country, primarily because there is immigration. People move from areas of, uh, that, that are from rural or impoverished area in pursuit of a better life. They end up landing in a Kurlenu, which is a highly industrialized area. And believe you me, they find us very, very ready. So we are quite excited as a city of Egurleni that our people will continue exploiting those opportunities of them getting dignity. Uh, we have taken a deliberate act of restoring the dignity that poverty takes away from them. We have taken a deliberate act of ensuring that we, we reconfigure uh, the, the apartheid special planning, and that is why we are deliberately building these units where our people will access factories for a better life. Yeah, we know government little drama television Let's continue. We'll come after this. The strict social engineering during apartheid meant that black people were disadvantaged, 
cities were racially divided and the black population forced in a far from it's a bad heritage and without public amenities yeah listen government continues to build capacity through partnerships in the built environment particularly in cities and the townships to reinforce government's ability to deliver more affordable housing options and then since in 96 until 2020 if i'm correct which means is 21 year or 22 years corner and just imagine my informal settlements, a lot of things are happening. I remember, if I'm not mistaken, 2001 or two, and then it took me four months because so you can imagine that the trauma is so a lot of things need me now, I took a decision with what is it that I want in life. As Pataraka, my schooling, I completely matric. I took advantage of the friend Zagaza collection. So I came with that thing, I had a cost 19. So that I did a whole number of money and then said inside into what I used to do, like a study shop school. I was five. And then I figured I would do at least it in balance my side because. You know, out of Oskata Kempo, what people are doing, most of them don't run uh, for Hubula Tavern because of Tavernikiona environment and then keep music, keep competition, you can have a sense of offer. So you can't study mobilizing alien noise. These people, they came from a community, they said, the ruling party, the government says, Iago Albertin and, and apply for the RDPs. You understand? So what they did, they even provided transport for people by the negative Alberto Naishibidoboka. Then Kaviki Vaikia Alberto. Then I got people that Kawachala Kavi, Ketopumasile, those people, my committee are one, two, three. But Wabu housing again needs Hababuzimak. Banubata the document, then Kavafa, Ka applier, Katola message, the same time when I can call Hibua. Answer put on the Pizashaba computer. Registration number here will apply for what the agenda message of one alone. Pinsy with me, Cabuela Pomra. That June, if I'm not mistaken, that it was six, seven, one other. Pin six, they called me. That the following day was somebody who told them to go to Clayville. And then, if I can tell you, Tatilio, as she makes up believe, go black for Toby and it's more grammar store
on open literal open my door ke tsheka mnya kona ke mme ke tla di steps ke eh ko tsi 69 ka mo then i need to come back report kilibits 69 ko shapa 69 ka mo nkhong life is easy now life now is easy you no know, life is e better the self confidence e more me ke na lona gale but now e more because now is an how i have I cannot, I cannot call this a thing. You don't because of the camera you too. Kenali, Kishile, Kopani, Lele, the sitting room of the bathroom. After so many years, I never thought to lie. Till I saw Kukas go to Lavari, the Kuki world sona is gone. That life is gone. I'm not going to say that. So do I anymore? I still get inside every time. I'm going to get that lagal. Every time I talk on the head, I go where I get this and get this. I tell me people that I come out of the lag.
We've also got economic opportunities available at the project or within the development. We've got shopping centers as well and, yeah, and clinics. ValueMax, um, in conjunction with the Department of Human Settlements and City of Eprileni, actively engage the community by just finding out what their needs are in terms of um, basic necessities or basic services, which we do incorporate into our integrated development plan. We also do offer opportunities for people within that Tembisa area um, in terms of training and skills development set, and we also do employ um, the SMMEs in and around the area, so everybody has a fair chance of employment opportunities which they don't only use at, on the project but they're also able to take that skill set away and use it um, for future employment opportunities. It hasn't been without challenges. Um, it is uh, quite challenging especially with um, invasions and just the, the downside of it but I think the upside of it is just the continual engagement of the community and also we pride ourselves in the work that we do. We pay a lot of attention to the quality and you know making the space a livable space that you, you're able to call a home and you know you've put a lot of money into it and you're struggling to get that money so you want to be proud of what you're calling your home. We just want to say we are very grateful to the Department of Human Settlements and the city for making available these funds and also just their assistance in the administrative process because it's, it's a lot of administrative work that goes into it. But we are very glad to have our name associated with um, you know, such a, a, a touching development. You can't put a price on the happiness that people have when they move into their house and just you know, uh, addressing the housing backlog, which is something that modern-day South Africans um, are challenged with. It's Auto DJ Live FM. Yeah, this is TV more. TV more. TV. The one I look at the words about one church or no more. This heritage month, uh, what happened? 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 What Listen to this nice, nice story of heritage. We'll be back. Yeah. After it. Enjoy. is on creating integrated mixed-use, mixed-income developments that support de-densification and increasing access to basic services. Clayville is one of the good examples of projects that have been well-designed to change people's lives for the better. Informal settlement in Tembisa. We clearly corner in Mira for shows twenty six years in Kalalapa, no Mama Wami, when then was shown on twenty ten since in Kalalapa. 
I go and I change everything I'm a mommy, approved. So he approved a leo, Yonam Sanji, a young man's wooting allocated, was wooting to the end. Impilia Languia corner in Cookwin, Impilo Gasha So Ukompera, Ilafasim Cookwin, Naleala. Leala, it's very, very much better. Sinamans, I said, do the corner corner line, electricity, charge my phone, television on the hours of the television, was was as in his yellow, about as as, must say, cooking. So, in below, if we get we love is in the day to see them, the sensing in the Zulu, the ceiling, the bathroom. It's nice, it's nice, really. I'm so I'm really 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 happy. We are born a foot. What is an even island? Go your own can immediately say the cooking. Apply it. Approve about 2010. I wait until 2020. Can't be told So it's my fear again. It was the life you can see but be happy even no matter government it's like from zero to hero yeah because no shelter is very very much important abantwana hygiene abaguli since sila abaguli right skin sabu can even see the skin ukuthi manje skin sesi change the environment the hygiene emkhupheni ukamba manje la all those things but besibukezelele lo ngoba singana ngoba singisa sha sabonga kakhulu government wethu ukuthi asiphele izinto Zinke Akulu, the season in El Peso, the Santaban, which is a sala engine, and a ceiling. Five from towns. About the Nava in the Camera Labo, now we will lab. This is nice. The Cable Mega Project has formed a transformation benchmark in the integrated housing development market, contributing to social and economic growth in this country. The innovative approach to this kind of development has changed the face of government housing delivery to more of a sustainable empowerment for this community. This is breaking new ground. Thank you for watching. I'm Kanama Bashman, and I'll see you next time. Yeah, you wake up with Tupelela. Check it one more corner or Yeah. Dear boy, dear boy, this her this is heritage month. Yeah, Robola, but to be a lot of dear.
today's focus is on the Democratic Alliance elected Congress, which is virtual. Uh, the party promises that this will be the largest uh, virtual event. Uh, they're saying it's a historic online Congress reinventing how large scale elected conferences take place and innovate like never experienced before. That's what they promise. Uh, the focus, the, the tagline of the Congress is real hope, real change. Now, Dr. Goma, let's thank you for talking to us as we take our viewers live to proceedings at the Democratic Alliance Federal Congress 2020. Members are coming together in the largest virtual Congress South Africa has ever seen. United by our values of freedom, fairness, opportunity, and celebrate healthy man. Yeah, oh, yeah. Celebrate to South Africa and elect our leadership who will lead the DA into the future. This auto DJ life, FA. Stopping corruption, creating jobs, and building safer communities. A better future is possible now. Welcome to the
Democrats, South Africans, good day and welcome to the Democratic Alliance's 2020 Federal Congress. We're coming to you live virtually from across the country. I am your host, Karabo Lerato Hahau, Kitoadi, Yamu Africa, Wanana Mosotri, and Nakasabili, Mukubu Mamata Zamatibedi, Ubukun Samarotarabone, Banabeso, Dumi. In Akasarichi, you have an afterkiff for welcome on Palmo. This is the first ever virtual Federal Congress. And we have DA members and over 2,000 delegates joining us from across the country, from their homes and in specially designated areas. From Richards Bay across to Swellendam, from Messina down to Drakenstein, and pretty much everywhere in between. The moment we're all good. I'm also very excited. It is indeed a momentous occasion. It's a blue high across the country. But before we go anywhere, Richard, please tell South Africa, what is a DA Congress? Why does it matter? Well, the Federal Congress is the highest decision-making body of the party, and this weekend, essentially focusing on three serious major topics. One will be the election of the leadership, the other will be the um, constitutional amendments, and of course, policy resolutions. Yeah, so we're going to be here throughout the whole weekend. You can catch us on any social media street, catch us on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. The hashtag is simple, hashtag DA Congress, let's paint those timelines blue. And all those people following us, Carol, why should they care? Why should they look at this and say, this is something for me this weekend? They definitely need to care because if you care about your future, if you care about a better life in society, if you care about your, the future of your children, if you care about sustainable development, this is exactly where you should be. The conversation is simple, real hope, real change, now, throughout the weekend, catch us still. And we'll be here to help you navigate through the weekend, but starting us off now, we cross to the stage where Dr. Ivan Mayer will conduct the official opening. Good day, colleagues, delegates, and all South Africans. Just over a year ago, we took a decision that we want to become a modern political party with a vision to become the majority in a new government in South Africa. Modern political parties must embrace innovation, technology, and yet stay relevant to voters. Today, I can proudly testify that the Democratic Alliance is the only political party that made a quantum leap into the new digital age of politics and yet stay relevant. Democrats, this party will not let COVID-19 overwhelm our mission. We are resilient and we have adapted our functioning to move forward during this pandemic to both withstand the health and economic crisis our country is facing. The Federal Council has mandated us to hold the Federal Congress, taking into account health and safety protocols to ensure your good health and to meet the requirements of the Democratic Alliance Federal Constitution. As a political party, we have set three objectives. Firstly, to recalibrate the party around the values and principles of the DA. Secondly, to refocus the party as the only viable political vehicle in South Africa that can effect change through alternative and evidence-based public policy choices. Thirdly, reconnecting with our current and future voters. Despite COVID-19, we have been able to connect with our voters using multiple communication channels. Our offer and our promise to the people of South Africa at this Federal Congress 2020 is real hope, real change now. Real hope is a reflection on our extensive track record of fighting for what matters, for the rule of law, for fairness in South Africa, for open opportunities for all. 
and our commitment to keep up this fight every day while delivering the best governance in South Africa where we govern. Real change is our commitment to always do everything we can to deliver on our promises, to make urgent progress where we govern, and to turn around every town, city, and province where voters elect us. And as we build new majority to govern South Africa, it is our promise to rescue our country from the clutches of corruption. The word now represents the enormous urgency of our mission and our work. South Africa struggle under the current failed governance. There is no time more important than right now to reassert the role of the Democratic Alliance in fighting for a better South Africa. We see the word now as a binding contract with the people of South Africa. There is no time to waste, and the DA is hard at work right now and every day. There are times in the history of nations where we need men and women to stand up and say no more. We want to restore hope, and we want real hope. We want real change, and South Africa needs it now, right now. Against this background, the Democratic Alliance is meeting over the next two days, and South Africa needs a new beginning. We are meeting on the Zoom webinar platform and in hybrid venues across South Africa, in every city, town, village, on farms, townships, and in rural areas. Democrats, we have connected and we are united around the common purpose. Real hope, real change, now. Whether you are watching on a project screen, a television screen, a computer monitor, a laptop, a tablet, or a cell phone, you will have the same democratic rights at this Congress. I'm here to uphold the federal constitution, and together with your presiding officers, we will ensure free and fair elections with integrity. We will encourage robust, constructive, engaging, and democratic debate. South Africans want and deserve a new government in South Africa that will uphold the rule of law, respect individual rights, constitutional democracy, private property rights, accountability, and protecting its citizens. Today, we have members and activists of the party joining us from all nine provinces. I want to take this moment to welcome each of you to this historic event. Democrats of the Eastern Cape, led by your provincial leader, Naba Banga, and your provincial chairperson, Andrew Whitfield. I would like to congratulate you for being the first province to host a virtual provincial congress in South Africa successfully. You set the standard for all of us. Delegates of the Free State, led by your provincial leader, Patricia Kupane, and your provincial chairperson, Annalie Lottery. You have not let up in holding corrupt government to account in seeking justice for the people of your province, including the victims of the Freely Dairy Project. Delegates of Houten, led by your provincial leader, Solin Simanga, your provincial chairperson, Mike Moriarty. This province will be the major battleground for the local government election in 2021, as it is the host of the executive seat of power in South Africa. This province is geared to win major metros in next year's local government election. Delegates of KwaZulu Natal, led by your provincial leader, Joachim Pele Mungango, and your provincial chairperson, Francois Rogers. As the home of one of our crucial metros in South Africa, your relentless fight to turn service delivery around in Etiquini gives us hope that South Africans can indeed look forward to a better tomorrow. Delegates of Limpopo, led by your provincial leader, Jack Smala, and your provincial chairperson, Jeff Zibumbo, you have been successful in helping to uncover one of the biggest scandals in the democratic history of South Africa involving the VBS Bank. I know you keep fighting for justice every day. Delegates of Mpumalanga, led by your provincial leader, 
Change Itole, and your provincial chairperson Boschman Fromlin. Your relentless campaigns to rid local government of corrupt mayors and officials set the gold standard for us, all in ensuring South Africa get the service delivery they deserve. Delegates of Northwest, led by your provincial leader, Joe Mugluwa, and your provincial chairperson, Karin Fisher. You have consistently held the feet of Premier Jock Mohoro to the fire on issues of corruption and accountability. And we know you will not stop fighting until you realize a safer province for your rural communities. Delegates of the Northern Cape, led by your provincial leader, Andrew Lowe, and your provincial chairperson, Harold Mugluwa. From a province plagued by drought, we stand with you in your ongoing fight to get communities the relief they need during this difficult time. Keep on fighting. Delegates of the Western Cape, led by your provincial leader, Mongin Kosi Marikezela, and your provincial chairperson, Anton Bredel. Your track record of good governance is unparalleled and indeed recognized across the world. Your recent management of the COVID-19 crisis, ably led by Premier Alan Windy and Health MEC Dr. Noma Fraser-Bombo, speaks volume of the DA's capacity and readiness to govern South Africa. I want to pause at this time to reflect on a particular sports that is afflicting our rural communities across South Africa. These communities are the unsung heroes, feeding us on a daily basis and nurturing our nation. But our farmers, our farm workers, and agri-producers are daily under attack in South Africa. This compromises our food security and human dignity in South Africa. It must stop, and it must stop now. In honor of all our farmers and farm workers in South Africa, let us observe a moment of silence for those who have fallen. Wherever you are, please rise in support of our farmers and farm workers, and indeed, every South African who is a victim of crime in our nation. Let us stand united to say enough is enough. now is not a slogan. It is a commitment, a social contract with South Africans. Delegates, thank you for joining the journey of real hope, real change, now. I thank you.
in South Africa. Hallelujah. This auto DJ live FM. On the 5th of March 2020, South Africa's first COVID-19 case was confirmed. A few days later, the World Health Organization declared the coronavirus outbreak a pandemic. The Western Cape government had been planning and putting measures in place before the first case was diagnosed and stepped up to the challenge of defeating the coronavirus and saving livelihoods. The DA-led government rolled out intense community screening, education and testing, prioritizing vulnerable patients who were most at risk from the virus. All regional and district hospitals were set up to admit COVID-19 patients healthcare facilities could test and diagnose. Special facilities were set up to increase hospital capacity for the expected peak. For example, the CTICC Convention Center was transformed into the largest field hospital in Africa in just six weeks and helped more than 1,500 patients while it was open. The Red Dot Tax Initiative was created to take care of the hard-working healthcare workers, transporting nurses to and from work safely and on time, carrying over 70,000 passengers to date. In partnership with Uber, 700,000 parcels of chronic medication have been delivered to patients' homes. 53 million rand was allocated towards helping vulnerable residents have a decent meal during the hard lockdown. This included distributing food parcels and cooked meals and running a special school feeding program while learners were at home. Initiatives such as the Western Cape COVID-19 Business Relief Fund committed 27 million rand to supporting small businesses in both the formal and informal sectors which had been hard hit by COVID-19 restrictions. fellow Democrats. The theme of this Congress is real hope and real change. And I want to tell you a story about real hope and real change in the Western Cape and in the government that we run. And I go back to the 11th of March this year, when uh, we had our first live case of COVID-19. I remember traveling to the Tigerberg Hospital to show the media our readiness for COVID-19. We'd already established our wards and our, and our quarantine facilities in that specific hospital. And on the way there, 
I got the news that our first positive case was identified. That was really the, the moment that said to me, we are in this thing. But moving sort of earlier on, two weeks, we'd already started with our disaster management teams. We'd already started with establishing our new management uh, models of Sundays, where we would do strategy. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we would meet as a cabinet, but not just as a cabinet, as a full extended cabinet, including our municipalities, the city of Cape Town and our district municipalities, the mayors and the municipal managers, and all of our heads of uh, departments, included with South African police services, uh, so that we could actually get a grip on the full management of COVID-19. I also think about those early days when saying to this team, what I didn't want to do was run out of bed because we'd seen what was happening in the Northern Hemisphere and we could learn from other parts of the world. We saw that people were in parking lots and in passageways in hospitals, and I didn't want that to happen. We also saw in parts of the world that coffins were piling up. So you had the spectrum of people waiting for care and people dying and everything in between. And we had to make sure that we had a response for the full spectrum for COVID-19 in our province. And we set about doing that. And here we are still busy with managing COVID-19, but eight months later, and uh, we showed that uh, as a government, we managed to produce an 862 bed hospital in our CTICC, our convention center. We produced that in six weeks, but not just one hospital. We produced four hospitals in our province in the matter of weeks. This showed us as a province and as a management team that we could really do things in a very different way and very efficiently and speedily. We also produced a partnership with the taxi industry, something that uh, you would have thought of beforehand, government and taxis. We were always at each other's throats, but here we built a partnership called the Red Dot Taxi System where more than 70,000 nurse trips happened where nurses were actually conveyed from their homes safely to their hospitals or places of work and back home again during curfew and uh, during times when frontline workers were feeling under huge pressure. We managed to build a partnership that is going to change the way public transport works into the future. Then when it comes to medicines, we know that people queue from four o'clock in the morning at our clinics and our hospitals, specifically elderly and people with comorbidities. These people were at risk during COVID-19 and during the peak of the pandemic. So what we did was we put a partnership together and we now deliver medicines to your home. More than 700,000 medicine parcels have been delivered to people at their homes, changing lives forever. People will no longer have to queue early mornings to go and fetch their, their medicines at our clinics and hospitals. They will be delivered at their homes forever. If I think about uh, innovation, nasal oxygen, while people were looking at how do we save lives in our hospitals, uh, we, were, we were looking at the rest of the world running out of ventilators, and we came up with nasal oxygen supply, high pressure, and we were actually able to give high-end care to people just even in ordinary hospital beds, changing things forever the way that things were done. We made sure we didn't run out of oxygen. We made sure that we delivered food uh, across the board. We delivered more than 15 million food parcels between government and the private sector. In our schools, we made sure that uh, school children 
continued with their feeding. Despite pressure from national government and other provinces stopping feeding, we continued through this whole pandemic to feed uh, uh, children at our schools. We made sure that we were also open and transparent with our communication. From day one, kept the citizens up to speed on what was happening with this virus. We established a dashboard that was updated every single day. And uh, this was used by business, by citizens, to understand what was happening across this province. And uh, this dashboard, incidentally, has now won a silver award, competing with private sector and innovation and tech uh, across our country. And our dashboard in government won a silver medal for the work that our department has done in that space. We made sure that our management was wall-to-wall -wall across the province, and we still do that. Even though we flattened the curve, we still run monitoring across our province wall to wall. But now we're moving into the next phase, which is continually making sure that COVID-19 is flattened and monitoring, but now it's the recovery stage. And as a government, we've now chosen three sectors that we will, we will focus on. The first is jobs, and jobs now. We've lost 321,000 jobs in our province, and we have to claw every single one of them back. We've got to cut red tape. We've got uh, programs where we put 27 million rand in place so that businesses, small businesses, can have access to the funding to get their businesses up and running again. We've helped, helped our artists with funding so that they, during lockdown, could continue to feed their families. Uh, we really are cutting red tape to make sure it's easy to do business so that we claw back those jobs that we've lost during COVID-19. Safety, the second focus of our government. And one of my key mandates from day one in electing, being elected to uh, the province and uh, being elected and putting my cabinet together. And we will continue with safety. We uh, put the first 500 uh, law enforcement officers or new officers in place. And uh, I mean, that was one of my most exciting moments in the last year when I watched those 500 law enforcement officers march in to the Athlone Stadium in time and looking yeah. at the sheer volume of officers and knowing that they were going to be uh, deployed into communities where gangsterism is right, where murder is high, and target is to halve the murder, continue the of our safety plan. But it's not only boots on the ground, it is also violence prevention, going to the courts, and every single minister in our government has got a safety priority, and every single department is focusing on making sure we are getting the violence prevention fighting is more interesting. So that's a beautiful thing about art because it can grow into so many levels. It's so vast. Yeah.
Because if they, there's a saying that, uh, that says that if a man doesn't know who they are, they don't know who they are, where they are going. So it's very important to have that sense of purpose and know who you are. The yoga doctor is Tomasangu, and I think the attitude of the lady is in the yoga. How you call it yoga, you know, I want to go in the and I didn't finish her. Yes, I've met her. I happen, I happen to be in the master class that she was presenting in Cape Town. And, you know, and she talks about her journey, about how she started as a young girl, you know, and this is something that she was taught by her mother. And it, today she's passing it on to other generations, which is what heritage is all about. It's about passing it on for generations to come. You know, it's not about us, it's about she joked about how she catches tech, uh, flights like taxis, you know, and it's so inspirational because at her age, with the number of things that she has accomplished, you know, it's inspiring. So how she ever said it to a high? You know, Sisi, this industry, you know yourself because you're in this industry. It's very difficult. It's about perseverance. It's determination. It's growing thick skin. So having that patience over the years, I was surprised to find out Umuti Ukoko, her first collaboration was actually 1989. That was before we were even born, but we are only starting to get to know and celebrate her work now. How many years has it been? How do we change this? How do we change mm. that? I think we need to start uh, implementing celebration of our culture, of our customs, of our traditions at an early age. In the village, we say, Isikoko, So, with his Like, teach them young. So, already, maybe from preschool, we need to start um, implementing it in our in our schools, in our preschools. The children know about Koko Esemalang. They shouldn't know about her years. Later, let me when we put John Lawson, yes. like Rolls Royce, yes, it is the accomplishment. But why, Vanabanyamana, I can agree three grade four as a celebrity doctor, why Renegade's a doctor? So, you are right in terms yeah. of in terms of starting the young. because we celebrate so much of things that are not our own, we consume globalized things, but our own people we don't appreciate and 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 thank them and you know support their work, especially art. I feel like I have to ask you, just Harikwala in closing, who is Antwopinata and Yule Handle Katabaya Hormut, Hauli Mut, Tantekamut, Ubatao Pesuan. So you are able to be fluid, Uchin Chalinago, Uchin Chalinago. So, Mbori expect on who and Hariabe. Yo! Yo, yo, I still, I still, I still, Oh, I, I still want to do so much stuff. Uh, my heart is in film, movies. I have a dream of um, doing a travelogue across Africa. That's like a travel documentary. Like, I'm, like I'm, I had to yes. close my eyes. Across Africa, and maybe we need to tell our stories. If we don't tell our stories, who's going to tell them? The world tells and our stories. Exactly. 
look at Ugogo. Mm. Her storytelling is authentic. It's who she is. Mm. She didn't even uh, go to school for it. It's within. It's spiritual. Art is, is real spiritual. So we need to express that inner spirit and translate it and tell our stories. So I'd love to do uh, a travelogue across Africa, tell African stories. It could be food, dance. Oh, there's so much about Africa. It could be clothes. North Africa as a jungle. Yeah. There's so much more to this beautiful content. Yeah. And we need to be so beautiful. So this is our heritage month. Yeah, we must keep on doing great things. Yes. After this, enjoy. Yeah, goodbye. attached to it mm -hmm. and it came about as a reason of uh, the highly populated or highly densely area mm 
uh, which is the Tembisa. And because it is situated in Eburuleni, it has a number of people who are coming from north, uh, in particular, who decide then to settle uh, in, in Tembisa. It then uh, simply means, of course, that the backlog of housing will, will necessarily uh, in, you know, uh, trigger a pressure. So that, that phenomenon has inspired us to actually have a cable project that will necessarily you know, benefit the people of Tembisa mm. in the main. Right. Talking about um, the benefits and the people of Tembisa specifically, what are some of the benefits for that specific community in Clayville in having such a huge development of that type of magnitude? What are they specifically benefiting in that area? A majority of our workforce, our labor workforce, are people who are coming from Tembisa. Right. And a large number of SMMEs who are, you know, um, contracted to do this or that, ranging from, uh, the, you know, construction of, uh, you know, putting in of curbs, you know, constructions of, of, of roads, supplying uh, your window pails, uh, supplying your doors, and so forth and so forth. So that uh, project have, has brought about change in the living conditions of an ordinary person who is in Tembisa. There are people who are selling food, uh, your, 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 your cocos who are selling fat cakes in the morning, who are selling lunch, that, 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 that project has actually inspired, you know, a, a, a chain of economic activity uh, directly and indirectly. Within the different stages of the development, are there benefits that you can pinpoint that they've, that they've gained? Look, specifically, we would have wanted to unlock uh, housing contradictions of our people that are ranging from their different uh, sources of life. Uh, we have a, a, a product of RDPs, uh, and we chose to optimize the infrastructure uh, space. So we, to we chose to actually say, uh, if we build standalone uh, houses in the, in the program, it is going to short change, it is not going to uh, uh, actually uh, optimize the number of people who are trying to benefit. So we, 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 we opted to actually have RTP walk-ups, what we call as, as RS4, as, as high-rise, okay? So we have RTP units which are 40 square meters that are packed up against each uh, up on top of each other. So they are more or less in a flat format, okay? The people who would benefit for RTPs have been given that project for that product. But you have people who can qualify for an RTP as well as who can qualify in your mainstream banks. We intervene as a city or, or as government and we give them a subsidy. We call it the FLISP, a financially linked individual subsidy program so that people can be able to have top-ups. So we give them that product, they are able to then uh, have a, a semi-bonded uh, product. We also have a rental product in the mix. We have also gone an extra mile with the intervention of the executive mayor and the premier, where we are going to be um, you know, identifying pockets of land where people who, who say that we can be able to build for ourselves and uh, we, we, we are going to give them that particular option. So communities of Tembisa have definitely benefited in as far as housing is concerned. Yes. Talking about housing, um, Councillor, in terms of the, the housing delivery challenges or issues, um, if you want to call it that, that the Ukurleni region might face, would you say a development of this nature brings about solutions or maybe mitigates some of the challenges that you guys face? The city is sitting on a backlog of about 400,000 people who are on the housing meter register. 
the project is the biggest, it has got the biggest yields in Tembisa. It is going to give yields to 14,137 mixed use. It definitely provides solutions. It definitely mitigates on the, on the housing conundrum we are facing as a country. It is a project that brings and builds communities within one space, finding all sorts of people living uh, uh, different classes. And I think that it, it mitigates in terms of uh, social cohesion as well. Right. And now for the foreseeable future, lastly, Councillor, what do you see for the future of this region in terms of housing delivery? We have 119 informal settlements, the largest in the country, primarily because there is immigration. People move from areas of, uh, that, that are from rural or impoverished area in pursuit of a better life. They end up landing in Ekurleno, which is a highly industrialized area. And believe you me, they find us very, very ready. So we are quite excited as a city of Ekurleno that our people will continue exploiting those opportunities of them getting dignity. Uh, we have taken a deliberate act of restoring the dignity that poverty takes away from them. We have taken a deliberate act of ensuring that we, we reconfigure uh, the, the apartheid special planning, and that is why we're deliberately building these units where our people will access factories for a better life. Yeah, we know short government little drama Let's continue. We'll come after this. The strict social engineering during apartheid meant that black people were disadvantaged. Cities were racially divided and the black population forced to live far from it's about heritage and without public amenities. Yeah. Listen. Government continues to build capacity through partnerships in the built environment, particularly in cities and the townships to reinforce government's ability to deliver more affordable housing options. And then since in 96 until 2020, if I'm correct, which means it's 21 years or 22 years corner and just imagine my informal settlements, a lot of things are happening. I remember, if I'm not mistaken, 2001 or two, and then it took me four months because 
background yaka says to me, whisper in my ears that, hey son, mkuku kaneba huwamele, mkuku kaneba huwacha, or anything, mungi fail, kipila a normal life just like everybody. Then I didn't say shit to people that day. No matter how hard it is, believe koyona government, because if you guys share I waited so long. I wanted to learn a lot of that town. I thought right. Government is not capable, but now he is ahead. South Africa's mass housing program has been hugely successful in terms of the number of houses built since the dawn of democracy. Over five million housing opportunities have been delivered, and this can also be attributed to the mega city projects that has increased the supply of houses. The Department of Human Settlements is committed to the National Development Plan's vision of transforming human settlements and the spatial economy to create more functionally integrated, balanced and vibrant urban settlements. Basically, the idea of Clayville came about just to address the critical housing backlog that we've got in the Tembisa region and also to assist government to relocate beneficiaries from the informal settlements that are around that area to the Clayville project. The project is structured in such a way that we've got mainly four types of residential units that we develop that cater to low to medium income households. We've got RDP or BNG multi-story units and those cater to people that earn below 3,500 rands but they must also meet the other qualifying criteria. We also have social or rental multi-story units. We've got multi-story FLISP units and single residential FLISP units as well. And again, you must also meet the qualifying criteria. So that's the, the basic structure of the residential units. The biggest driving factor to have Clayville where it's located is its close proximity to areas like Tembisa, Kalfontein, Rabirich, which are densely populated. So the aim of having Clayville in that particular area was to decongest the area. And also it so happens that it's around um, developed areas such as Midrand CBD, Kempton Park Centurion, which also offer employment opportunities to the people that have moved into the Clayville area. Basically, it's not just a housing development, but we approached it as an integrated model. So we've got social amenities that we also develop, such as schools, we've got uh, community centers, we've got churches, we've also got economic opportunities available at the project or within the development. We've got shopping centers as well and, yeah, and clinics. ValueMax, um, in conjunction with the Department of Human Settlements and City of Ekurileni, actively engage the community by just finding out what their needs are in terms of um, basic necessities or basic services, which we do incorporate into our integrated development plan. We also do offer opportunities for people within that Tembisa area um, in terms of training and skills development set, and we also do employ um, the SMMEs in and around the area, so everybody has a fair chance of employment opportunities which they don't only use at, on the project but they're also able to take that skill set away and use it um, for future employment opportunities. It hasn't been without challenges. Um, it is uh, quite challenging especially with um, invasions and 
just the, the downside of it, but I think the upside of it is just the continual engagement of the community. And also we pride ourselves in the work that we do. We pay a lot of attention to the quality and you know, making the space a livable space that you, you're able to call a home. And you know, you've put a lot of money into it and you're struggling to get that money. So you wanna be proud of what you're calling your home. We just want to say we are very grateful to the Department of Human Settlements and the city for making available these funds and also just their assistance in the administrative process because it's it's a lot of administrative work that goes into it. But we are very glad to have our name associated with um, you know such a, a, a touching development. You can't put a price on the happiness that people have when they move into their house and just you know, uh, addressing the housing backlog, which is something that modern day South Africans um, are challenged with. It's Auto DJ Live FM. Yeah, this is TV more. TV more. TV. The one I look at the words about one church or no more. This heritage month, uh, what happened? 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 Listen to this nice, nice story of heritage. We'll be back. Yeah. After it. Enjoy. is on creating integrated mixed-use, mixed-income development that supports de-densification and increasing access to basic services. Clayville is one of the good examples of projects that have been well-designed to change people's lives for the better. Informal settlement in Tembisa. In Kelikona, in Yara for shows twenty six years in Kalalapa, no Mama Wambi, Mundeno Ashona or twenty ten, since in Kalalapa. Papa Yusuma Mami, Indu, Azani Pum, Malice was cut. I go and I change everything that my mammy, the Abizan, never approved. So he approved a leo, a Yonam Sanji, a young Indu meeting allocated. It's very, very much better. television, so, we love these 
ukuthi bize nibe nayo lendlu kuyo yonke leminyaka engihlele emkhumbini ngiapplyile ngiapprove ngo2010 i wait until 2020 kana ngithola le rtp so ithema ifika kimi it was you can see happy Shelter is very, very much important. Abandoni hygiene. Abakuli. Since it's a abakuli. But right, skin sub, you can even see the skin. Mother skin says it's changing the environment, the hygiene. All those things. But the government the Clayville Mega Project has formed a transformation benchmark in the integrated housing development market, contributing to social and economic growth in this country. The innovative approach to this kind of development has changed the face of government's housing delivery to more of a sustainable empowerment for this community. This is breaking new ground. Thank you for watching. I'm Kanama Bashman, and I'll see you next time. Yeah, you've got me to play Take it to one more corner, Yeah. Dear boy, dear boy, this her this is heritage month. Yeah, Robola, but to be a lot of available, Everyone feels included, and also they are able to forge an inclusive uh, 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 leadership um, uh, representation within the parties. Uh, Dr. Goma, our line is not fantastic at all, but at this time, I'd like to welcome our viewers on SABC2. Uh, today's focus, focus is on the Democratic Alliance Elective Congress, which is virtual. Uh, the party promises that this will be the largest uh, virtual event. Uh, they're saying it's a historic online Congress reinventing how large-scale elective conferences take place and innovate like never experienced before. That's what they promise. Uh, the focus, the, the tagline of the Congress is real hope, real change. Now, Dr. Goma, let's thank you for talking to us as we take our viewers live to proceedings at the Democratic Alliance Federal Congress 2020. Members are coming together in the largest virtual Congress South Africa has ever seen. United by our values of freedom, fairness, Opportunity. 
Vigna Bono, Lucasha or come and go with the Rala. Good day and welcome to the Democratic Alliance's 2020 Federal Congress. We're coming to you live virtually from across the country. I am your host, Karabo Lerato Hahau, Kitwadi, Yamu Africa, Wanana Musutu, Yanaka Sevili, Mukubu Mamasa Zamatibedi, Kubu Gunsamarutarabone, Banabeso Dumi.
En het is Richard Nees en hartelijk verwelkom in Almal. This is the first ever virtual federal congress. And we have DA members and over 2,000 delegates joining us from across the country, from their homes and in specially designated areas. From Richards Bay across to Swellendam, from Messina down to Drakenstein, and pretty much everywhere in between. The moment we're all good. Yeah,
the voters elect us, and as we build new majority to govern South Africa, it is our promise to rescue our country from the clutches of corruption. The word now represents the enormous urgency of our mission and our work. South Africa struggle under the current failed governance. There is no time more important than right now to reassert the role of the Democratic Alliance in fighting for a better South Africa. We see the word now as a binding contract with the people of South Africa. There is no time to waste, and the DA is hard at work right now and every day. There are times in the history of nations where we need men and women to stand up and say no more. We want to restore hope, and we want real hope. We want real change, and South Africa needs it now, right now. Against this background, the Democratic Alliance is meeting over the next two days, and South Africa needs a new beginning. We are meeting on the Zoom webinar platform and in hybrid venues across South Africa, in every city, town, village, on farms, townships, and in rural areas. Democrats, we have connected and we are united around the common purpose. Real hope, real change, now. Whether you are watching on a project screen, a television screen, a computer monitor, a laptop, a tablet, or a cell phone, you will have the same democratic rights at this Congress. I'm here to uphold the federal constitution, and together with your presiding officers, we will ensure free and fair elections with integrity. We will encourage robust, constructive, engaging, and democratic debate. South Africans want and deserve a new government in South Africa that will uphold the rule of law, respect individual rights, constitutional democracy, private property rights, accountability, and protecting its citizens. Today, we have members and activists of the party joining us from all nine provinces. I want to take this moment to welcome each of you to this historic event. Democrats of the Eastern Cape, led by your provincial leader, Naba Banga, and your provincial chairperson, Andrew Whitfield. I would like to congratulate you for being the first province to host a virtual provincial congress in South Africa successfully. You set the standard for all of us. Delegates of the Free State, led by your provincial leader, Patricia Kupane, and your provincial chairperson, Anneli Lottery, you have not let up in holding corrupt government to account in seeking justice for the people of your province, including the victims of the Freely Dairy Project. Delegates of Houten, led by your provincial leader, Solin Simanga, your provincial chairperson, Mike Moriarty. This province will be the major battleground for the local government election in 2021, as it is the host of the executive seat of power in South Africa. This province is geared to win major metros in next year's local government election. Delegates of KwaZulu-Natal, led by your provincial leader, Joachim Pele, Mungago, and your provincial chairperson, Francois Rogers. As the home of one of our crucial metros in South Africa, your relentless fight to turn service delivery around in Etiquini gives us hope that South Africans can indeed look forward to a better tomorrow. Delegates of Limpopo, led by your provincial leader, Jack Smala, and your provincial chairperson, Jeff Zibumbo, you have been successful in helping to uncover one of the biggest scandals in the democratic history of South Africa involving the VBS Bank. I know you keep fighting for justice every day. Delegates of Mpumalanga, led by your provincial leader, James Itole, and your provincial chairperson, Boschman Froblen. Your relentless campaigns to rid local government of corrupt mayors and officials set the gold standard for us, all in ensuring South Africa get the service delivery they deserve. Delegates of Northwest, led by your provincial leader, Joe Maglua, and your provincial chairperson, Karin Fisher. 
You have consistently held the feet of Premier Jokbo Forum to the fire on issues of corruption and accountability. And we know you will not stop fighting until you realize a safer province for your rural communities. Delegates of the Northern Cape, led by your provincial leader, Andrew Lowe, and your provincial chairperson, Harold Muglo, from a province plagued by drought, we stand with you in your ongoing fight to get communities the relief they need during this difficult time. Keep on fighting. Delegates of the Western Cape, led by your provincial leader, Mongin Kosi Manikezela, and your provincial chairperson, Anton Bredel. Your track record of good governance is unparalleled and indeed recognized across the world. Your recent management of the COVID-19 crisis, ably led by Premier Alan Windy and Health MEC Dr. Noma Fraysen-Bombo, speaks volume of the DA's capacity and readiness to govern South Africa. I want to pause at this time to reflect on a particular sports that is afflicting our rural communities across South Africa. These communities are the unsung heroes, feeding us on a daily basis and nurturing our nation. But our farmers, our farm workers, and agri-producers are daily under attack in South Africa. This compromises our food security and human dignity in South Africa. It must stop, and it must stop now. In honor of all our farmers and farm workers in South Africa, let us observe a moment of silence for those who have fallen. Wherever you are, please rise in support of our farmers and farm workers, and indeed, every South African who is a victim of crime in our nation. Let us stand united to say enough is enough. Real hope, real change, now is not a slogan. It is a commitment, a social contract with South Africans. Delegates, thank you for joining the journey of real hope, real change, now. I thank you.
in South Africa. Hallelujah. This auto DJ live FM. On the 5th of March 2020, South Africa's first COVID-19 case was confirmed. A few days later, the World Health Organization declared the coronavirus outbreak a pandemic. The Western Cape government had been planning and putting measures in place before the first case was diagnosed and stepped up to the challenge of defeating the coronavirus and saving livelihoods. The DA-led government rolled out intense community screening, education and testing, prioritizing vulnerable patients who were most at risk from the virus. All regional and district hospitals were set up to admit COVID-19 patients healthcare facilities could test and diagnose. Special facilities were set up to increase hospital capacity for the expected peak. For example, the CTICC Convention Center was transformed into the largest field hospital in Africa in just six weeks and helped more than 1,500 patients while it was open. The Red Dot Tax Initiative was created to take care of the hard-working healthcare workers, transporting nurses to and from work safely and on time, carrying over 70,000 passengers to date. In partnership with Uber, 700,000 parcels of chronic medication have been delivered to patients' homes. 53 million rand was allocated towards helping vulnerable residents have a decent meal during the hard lockdown. This included distributing food parcels and cooked meals and running a special school feeding program while learners were at home. Initiatives such as the Western Cape COVID-19 Business Relief Fund committed 27 million rand to supporting small businesses in both the formal and informal sectors which had been hard hit by COVID-19 restrictions. fellow Democrats. The theme of this Congress is real hope and real change. And I want to tell you a story about real hope and real change in the Western Cape and in the government that we run. And I go back to the 11th of March this year, when uh, we had our first live case of COVID-19. I remember traveling to the Tigerberg Hospital to show the media our readiness for COVID-19. We'd already established our wards and our, and our quarantine facilities in that specific hospital. And on the way there, 
I got the news that our first positive case was identified. That was really the, the moment that said to me, we are in this thing. But moving sort of earlier on, two weeks, we'd already started with our disaster management teams. We'd already started with establishing our new management uh, models of Sundays, where we would do strategy. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we would meet as a cabinet, but not just as a cabinet, as a full extended cabinet, including our municipalities, the city of Cape Town and our district municipalities, the mayors and the municipal managers, and all of our heads of uh, departments included with South African police services, uh, so that we could actually get a grip on the full management of COVID-19. I also think about those early days when saying to this team, what I didn't want to do was run out of bed because we'd seen what was happening in the Northern Hemisphere and we could learn from other parts of the world. We saw that people were in parking lots and in passageways in hospitals, and I didn't want that to happen. We also saw in parts of the world that coffins were piling up. So you had the spectrum of people waiting for care and people dying and everything in between. And we had to make sure that we had a response for the full spectrum for COVID-19 in our province. And we set about doing that. And here we are still busy with managing COVID-19, but eight months later, and uh, we showed that uh, as a government, we managed to produce an 862 bed hospital in our CTICC, our convention center. We produced that in six weeks, but not just one hospital. We produced four hospitals in our province in the matter of weeks. This showed us as a province and as a management team that we could really do things in a very different way and very efficiently and speedily. We also produced a partnership with the taxi industry, something that uh, you would have thought of beforehand, government and taxis. We were always at each other's throats, but here we built a partnership called the Red Dot Taxi System where more than 70,000 nurse trips happened where nurses were actually conveyed from their homes safely to their hospitals or places of work and back home again during curfew and uh, during times when frontline workers were feeling under huge pressure. We managed to build a partnership that is going to change the way public transport works into the future. Then when it comes to medicines, we know that people queue from four o'clock in the morning at our clinics and our hospitals, specifically elderly and people with comorbidities. These people were at risk during COVID-19 and during the peak of the pandemic. So what we did was we put a partnership together and we now deliver medicines to your home. More than 700,000 medicine parcels have been delivered to people at their homes, changing lives forever. People will no longer have to queue early mornings to go and fetch their, their medicines at our clinics and hospitals. They will be delivered at their homes forever. If I think about uh, innovation, nasal oxygen, while people were looking at how do we save lives in our hospitals, uh, we, were, we were looking at the rest of the world running out of ventilators, and we came up with nasal oxygen supply, high pressure, and we were actually able to give high-end care to people just even in ordinary hospital beds, changing things forever the way that things were done. We made sure we didn't run out of oxygen. We made sure that we delivered food uh, across the board. We delivered more than 15 million food parcels between government and the private sector. In our schools, we made sure that uh, school children continued with their feeding, despite pressure from national government and other provinces stopping feeding. We continued
continued through this whole pandemic to feed uh, uh, children at our schools. We made sure that we were also open and transparent with our communication from day one, kept the citizens up to speed on what was happening with this virus. We established a dashboard that was updated every single day. And uh, this was used by business, by citizens, to understand what was happening across this province. And uh, this dashboard, incidentally, has now won a silver award, competing with private sector and innovation and tech uh, across our country. And our dashboard in government won a silver medal for the work that our department has done in that space. We made sure that our management was wall-to-wall -wall across the province, and we still do that. Even though we flattened the curve, we still run monitoring across our province wall to wall. But now we're moving into the next phase, which is continually making sure that COVID-19 is flattened and monitoring, but now it's the recovery stage. And as a government, we've now chosen three sectors that we will, we will focus on. The first is jobs, and jobs now. We've lost 321,000 jobs in our province, and we have to claw every single one of them back. We've got to cut red tape. We've got uh, programs where we put 27 million rand in place so that businesses, small businesses, can have access to the funding to get their businesses up and running again. We've helped, helped our artists with funding so that they, during lockdown, could continue to feed their families. Uh, we really are cutting red tape to make sure it's easy to do business so that we claw back those jobs that we've lost during COVID-19. Safety, the second focus of our government. And one of my key mandates from day one in electing, being elected to uh, the province and uh, being elected and putting my cabinet together. And we will continue with safety. We uh, put the first 500 uh, law enforcement officers or new officers in place. And uh, I mean, that was one of my most exciting moments in the last year when I watched those 500 law enforcement officers march in to the Athlone Stadium in time and looking yeah. at the sheer volume of officers and knowing that they were going to be uh, deployed into communities where gangsterism is rife, where murder continue. is high, and our target is to halve the murder yeah. rate, continue so the rollout of our safety plan. But it's I not only boots on the ground, it is also violence we prevention, going to the courts, and every single minister in our government has got so a safety I'm priority, and every single department is focusing That's on making sure I, we are getting the, the group of violence prevention, 